My name's Jim Derrick, and welcome to another edition of Chapters. On today's program, we're going to have a conversation with a man that might be one of the most interesting people I've ever met. Rhode Island's own Paul Kandarian is in studio today. Paul is an actor who has appeared in many feature-length films, theatrical productions, and commercials. However, his acting career is only a small part of the story. As we'll find out during our conversation, Paul is the epitome of the old saying, life's a journey, not a destination. So stay tuned for a wide-ranging and oftentimes hilarious conversation with Paul Kandarian, coming up next on Chapter. My name's Jim Derrick, and welcome to another edition of Chapters. I'm joined today in studio by my guest, Paul Kandarian. Welcome, Paul. Hey, Jim. How's it going? I'm doing great, Paul. Paul is a, I just described him as the most interesting man in the world, and he brought it down to the most interesting man in southeastern Massachusetts. But <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that and let you guys be the judge. Uh, Paul is an actor, among many, many other things. He has uh, an incredible portfolio, and importantly is someone who has refused to uh, limit himself in terms of what he can do. Having gotten to know him, I knew this was going to make a great show. I'm just glad you came up. Wow, I'm glad to come come up here all the way up to the bowels of Franklin. <laughs> yeah, well, thank you. Yeah, uh, we hope you've enjoyed uh, our hospitality here. The water's cold. This uh, yes, and it's a fantastic studio. It really is. Yeah, no, I've I've done shows before in yeah. basically what look like bunkers. This place is like top of the line. Right, really good. Right, and we have Pete to thank for that, mm. and the and everybody at uh, Franklin uh, WFPR 102.9 FM mm. where we are housed. So, Paul, let's let's kick off a little bit to talk about your current work. I met you at one of your stage productions, Coast, which is a, a play about addiction. You play a dad, and um, I actually was so moved by your performance that I was unable able to speak for about an hour. Uh, I was so emotional, and, mm. and that's how we met. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it, uh, the place called uh, Four Lakes to Stand On, and, and the organization's a nonprofit out of Providence called Coast with two A's, creating outreach about addiction support together. And uh, the gal who started it, Annabeth Moyer-Bell, uh, she lost a lot of people to addiction, mm-hmm. friends, mm-hmm. Uh, loved ones. Um, so she started gathering stories uh, of addiction in her community, which is South Kingstown, Rhode Island, uh, and put together uh, a play. And I was in a movie with her a few years ago, and we were talking about this, and she was just starting to do this. And my son at the time was uh, knee-deep in his own addiction. Right. Uh, and so she said she was putting this together, so you got to keep me in. And so that's how these things, it's all about connections. I mean, yeah. We're all connected. And it came together that I got together with her to, to do this play. I auditioned, got the part as the dad. I wrote the part at the end, the dad's uh, you monologue. You did? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Because that, that to me, was a clincher. Yeah, because the dad throughout the, the it's a thirty five minute play and uh, about a family in crisis over an addiction of a, a child and at the end then there's a twenty five minute talk back but uh, at the end the father's kind of muddles his way through and then at the end he has this rather kind of explosive emotional yeah. uh, monologue that was you know virtually everything I said to my son when he was going through his addiction um, and and it, so that. It's very cathartic for me. It's very, very painful for me to do this play. It's the most important acting. I've done dozens and 
films and tons of plays. This is the most important one I've ever done. I, I have to let people know if you if you can find Coast uh, again, it's a it's a it's a program, it's a play, as, as Paul said, with talk back at the end. Doast dot org. Thank you. Find all your information. Okay, so you can go on the on the internet and look them up. Find out how to bring them to your school. Find out how to bring them to your town. I will tell you, you will not regret it. I had a lot of trouble. And I mean that in a good way, yeah. uh, watching you. Uh, your performance was, and I didn't know at the time, you, you were kind enough to share it with me afterwards, about your own personal experience with your son, mm-hmm. who um, is a veteran. Yeah. And um, uh, was in re- Iraq? Uh, Afghanistan. Afghanistan, yeah. right. Mm-hmm. And and uh, had a substance use disorder problem, and, and um, to say the least. And uh, so you lived it. And I didn't mm-hmm. know that. And I got to tell you something, watching you... I also suffer from having a son with a substance use disorder problem. Watching this play was like looking in my living room window, and the emotion that Paul evoked in me that day is something I won't soon forget. And it was very cathartic for me because what it said to me is people do understand what we're going through, and I'm not alone. No, no, yeah, and that's the purpose of the whole play. I always tell people in talkbacks, we're just trying to start the conversation because mm. without a conversation between human beings, we, you're not, you're, you, you can't do this in a void. You can't heal in a vacuum. You really, you really have to rely on other people and each other. Yeah, and that's what the play does. It starts yeah. the conversation, it lifts the stigma. It says it's okay. And let many talkbacks, I said, if I, if I asked everybody to raise their hand as to how many have been impacted by cancer, virtually everyone's hand would go that's up. That's right. But if you said that about addiction. There's still enough of a stigma that a lot of people don't want to admit it, and but it happens in the best of families. It happens in the alleged, you know, so-called worst of families. It happens to a lot of people. You you can't pick an addict out of a lineup yeah. when they're in recovery, yeah. and you can't pick the parent of an addict yeah. out of a lineup. Oh, no. And I used to assume when I was coaching baseball and everything else, you just shine them up enough, and everything's going to be fine. And yeah. It just just doesn't work that way. So that's a very powerful thing, and I'd really like folks to to look that up on the work. He is he is the most interesting man that I've met in a long, long time. Paul has a uh, just a, such an interesting past. Among many other things, you have a film career, acting career. And how many how many movies would you figure you've been in? Uh, independent films, feature length? Uh, well, dozens, dozens of shorts. Uh, I've done everything from uh, college uh, student films at Emerson and Tufts and BU, uh, all over the place up to, I was just, I, it was a background in uh, a Hulu series, the Stephen yeah. King series. Yeah. Um, which I don't do that much background because it's, it, you're not acting. You're just, right. You're just hanging around. Yeah. Uh, I was in a History Channel thing, the cars that uh, the men, the cars that made America, about the the car empires. Oh, really? Yeah, and I had a speaking role as a board member. But that was kind of fun. Yeah. But um, it, it mostly independent films. Um, I, I I'm waiting for Hollywood to say, you know, come come on along. And, yeah. You know, but you know, in the meantime, I just do all these wonderful independent films. And the thing is, back in the day when I was growing up, you either and I have only been an actor for ten years. But you know, in the old days, you could you had to go to New York or Hollywood. Right. It was three channels. You right. know, the major movie studios. Now anybody with a cell phone can make a movie, and people are. And it just opened up this whole creative avenue for a lot of people who never would have done it before. Right. And now they can do it. And I get a Facebook. You got you put it on uh, YouTube. All these free platforms. Um, and it's just an, an, an amazing thing out there. There are just so many distribution channels. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It, Things have changed a lot since yeah. when, 
when we were kids. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, recently you have a, a, a movie that's going to be appearing on, on Amazon. Yeah. It was two, uh, two years ago we made a movie called Sundown mm-hmm. that's about a man with dementia. Duh, that would be me because I'm about that age. But uh, the, 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 the nutshell summary of it, it's a uh, guy has dementia, uh, dementia and his family's trying to take care of him. And the, the wayward son comes home to help. Uh, he's got a gambling addiction, so he comes home to help, and he just kind of screws things up too. Mm-hmm. But it, but it basically it shows the impact of dementia on a family, the caregivers, and you know it, it's not just this one person suffering; it's the whole family. Yeah. And it's an hour and forty minutes, I think, and it, it was an incredible experience. Uh, and it's won a number of awards. Uh, won the Mass International Film Festival. I think it was Best Picture, Best Narrative. It went up uh, somewhat north of Boston. They call it the Snob Festival. It won there, Best Narrative. Um, won in Buffalo, won in New York. Um, so it's, it's won a ton of awards. And then we were lucky enough to be on Amazon starting in April 3rd. That's so great. Yeah. And so I'm a subscriber, so I'll see it. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I've seen your, I've seen some of your other work, and you've played a dentist, you've played uh, yeah. uh, dad, you've played um, uh, a hitman. Uh, yeah, you've beaten, yeah, you've beaten somebody up. Which, yeah, that was uh, fun. Yeah, actually, you are kind of intimidating. I can be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right now. I'm- yeah, a little anxious, but uh, so uh, yeah, I'm trying to figure out how to keep this table between us. But yeah. seriously, you've done a, you've had a real, real broad range of roles, but that wasn't enough. We're backtracking a little bit here. You're also an author. You're also somebody who has written a lot on a freelance basis, including for the Boston Globe's travel travel section. Yeah. And yeah. and because you know you are that guy, you're that company guy that says I'll do whatever it takes, boss. You get the Bahamian beat. Done a lot of Caribbean stuff. Yeah, Caribbean, yeah. right? So, you, so you had to go it's down tough. there on what on the company, right? Yeah, everything. Yeah, somebody I don't pay. I pay for yeah. parking at Logan, yeah. right? And so you write about what the beach and the beach and the drinks and the food and right. the ambiance and the, yeah. uh, the sun and the fun and the people. It's it's horrible. I'm sorry. Um, this show was supposed to be uplifting. Um, I yeah. get so many people saying, "Look, if you need help, we'll carry." Your yeah, bags this, this is actually that. This is the point where I come in and I shut the thing down because mm-hmm. I'm jealous. But <laughs> the story has a few other things. You were also a salesman at Sears. Yeah. Thank you for balancing things out. Uh, yeah, no, it, it's. I, I think along the way uh, throughout life, we stumbled toward what we're meant to yeah. do. I yeah. think, and and Sears was one of them because my dad was a salesman. He was a liquor salesman for years and he was very good he was a people person he he would walk into a room and he'd own it he was just he was always on um and so he always said you gotta get in sales gotta get in sales because you know i'm good at it you'll be good at it and i like people but i like the people i like and i don't necessarily like customers (laughs) (laughs) so i did i sold paint at sears and they lasted that that long and then um and i also uh i was a food salesman for a food food company out of taunton and I hated it, absolutely hated it, because my father would say the, the key to a successful salesman is, is selling something to people that they don't, they don't want oh. or they don't know they want. And I said, why? Why would I do that? <laughs> so I had the absolute, the raw, opposite like the attitude. definition of hell. I think yeah, that's no, hell. No, no, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. So In fact, uh, Woody Allen yeah. had oh, a the insurance sell, salesman. Yeah. yeah, selling life insurance. Yeah, exactly, yeah. That, and, and, and that's how I felt. I think. Yeah. Oh, it was a torture. He was on a hot torture. Box. That was torture. Yeah. That's right. Uh, That's but, right. By th- the way, I used to sell insurance. Did you? Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was terrible. I was the worst salesman oh, in the world. Off. So I can I would walk into places and get you know they give you a dirty look. You're like, yeah, come back later. I said, okay. And that's I never went back. I, like, <laughs> I took rejection badly, but but yeah. I, I just I wasn't meant to do that. And, yeah. And, and there was always something inside me that needed some creative element that needed to get out. But back in those days. 
and even a lot, to a large extent now, the, the, the creative juices that flow through people, is, it, it's not looked at as a marketable commodity, unfortunately. Right. Right. And we buy into that, and we believe that, and we beat ourselves down, and we don't let out that creativity that needs to get out. Right, and that and that's really where we're headed here. Right? Mm-hmm. We're going to bring this conversation full circle and start talking about what it is that gets a guy that is, um, how can I be kind about our age? Later in life? Oh, I don't care. Mid-age. I give a damn. I'm, I, who cares? I'm age be, I'm, timeless. Yeah, I'm hitting retirement. I'm at the retirement age. People say, are you going to retire? I say, are you kidding me? For one thing, I can't. I, I'm broke. I can't right. retire. i got to keep working. Right. And why? What if I had a million dollars, I wouldn't retire. Right, right, right. Uh, I just want to remind folks, we are speaking with Paul Kandarian. He is an actor, writer, among many other things. Um, we're having a great conversation. My name's Jim Derrick. This is Chapters Radio. We can find us at our podcast www.chaptersradio.com. So back, uh, Paul, we're backtracking, and in, in, in just to just I wanted to illustrate to people, kind of set up the variety of things that you've done and how it is that you came to burst those self-limiting beliefs and say, you know what, I want to do what I want to do. And so that's kind of where we're headed. And along the way, you were talking about being a flight attendant right. in, in your early 20s, yeah. which... Um, we both agreed it has to be a movie. Um, yeah. Can you can you tell us a little bit about that experience? I, I well, yeah, for the PG version. Anyway. Sure, yeah. yeah. Let's get uh, the PG. Well, I was telling you before, I got I I always liked to travel because I would be in a car with my father, mm-hmm. and you know, if we were kids, we'd yeah. be driving along up uh, the Mohawk Trail in northern uh, Massachusetts. Sure. And my dad have a cigar in his mouth, and you know, the '57 Chevy, whatever, and the windows down, and he'd be singing "Old Man River" because he loved that song, and I would just marvel at the man's excitement at being on the road going somewhere where we didn't know and as i told you before my life is the metaphor for my life is what's around the next corner right so we get right. around the next corner and see you know a store or just more beautiful scenery and it's okay next corner what's around the next corner so my whole life i've been always eager to find out what's around the next corner yeah, yeah. but somewhere along the way you get beaten into uh not beaten but you get forms people want to f- f- form you into um and not necessarily finding an acceptable corner, yep. you know, a corner that you know, that you're familiar with. It fits in the box. Exactly, yeah. They, it fits in the box. Um, and I, I, it always made me uncomfortable, and I've always not done that. Yeah. Uh, but it, so anyway, date back to the travel does thing. That, does that date back to your childhood? I mean, did you feel that sense of restlessness? Or did oh, you yeah. Just... Oh, no, totally, yeah. Because yeah. I was a class, class clown, classic class clown. And, and people, my brother in particular, who uh, is a couple of years older than me, he's a, he's a cop, retired cop. And he's exact opposite of me. He's just very structured and yep. organized. Yep. And I'm totally off the wall. Right. But he would say, oh, the kids, they're, they're making funny. They're laughing at you. And that's the, the phrase that always cracked me up. They're laughing at you. are not laughing with you. They're laughing at you. Yeah. So, what's the matter with that? They're laughing. What's the, the bottom line is they're laughing. <laughs> and what's wrong with that? And that's yeah. when I knew I kind of, I always wanted to be a stand-up comedian. And I did that once, too. So did I. Yeah, did you really? Yeah. I do. And I, I still do. Do you really? Yeah, but I can't stand. I'm too old. <laughs> so, really? That's whoops. why I'm sitting here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm my best audience. Boy, and in my oh, shower, my I, oh, I have some great laughs. My car has got the uh, <laughs> echoes with laughter. All so, so you decide to be a flight attendant. Well, this decided, is a great story. Yeah, I do. Uh, um, I mean, I, why not? Yeah. Well, my my parents when they would they would take off uh, on trips, uh, I would bring them to the airport, uh, Green Airport in Providence, yeah. and then I would pull into the Valley's uh, Steakhouse. It was a steakhouse at the time, and I would sit in the parking lot just watch planes take off, and absolutely, literally ached beyond one. And I didn't know where they were going. They didn't care. They yeah. were going around a corner. That That's some of the mystery it. of it, right? Exactly. And and so at that time, a buddy of mine, after we got out, oh, he got out of college. I went. I had several stabs at college, but I never finished. He uh, he got a job with TWA as a flight attendant, and he would come home and regale me with stories about 
shall we say, the women of TWA. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and you know, we were in our twenties, or sure. all, all hormones all the time. So I get jealous, and he and I were very competitive. He was a big, tall, good-looking kid. And so I tried out, I, I uh, interviewed at um, uh, TWA and didn't get that. I tried out um, at um, Eastern, both now defunct airlines. Yep. Yep. Didn't get that. And then I heard about one called Capital, Capital International Airways. It was out of uh, JFK. It was a charter. So I went down to Hartford uh, Airport, interviewed there. I had a really, really good interview. And I came out, and I never forget, I sat on a guardrail at the parking lot, just looked up in the sky, said, so got to have this. I've got, I don't care what, I got to have this. And at the same time, I had interviewed for Talk Tours, T-A-U-C-K. It was a bus company that would shut, you know, bring like old people around to the Grand Canyon. And I got a, uh, an interview being a, a tour guide for that. And I, I, a couple of days later, Capital Call said, yeah, you're in. You got to come down in the next couple of days to go to training. Hung up the phone, and the bus company called and said, we, we want you to do this. And I'm like, well, do I want to drive around with a bunch of 90-year-old people that are going to fall off a cliff? Mr. And- Derek, can I change your diaper? <laughs> exactly, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Step away from the oatmeal. We've got to get back on the bus. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, and so it was that or yeah. being on a plane for six, eight hours with people I'm never sure. going to see again. Sure, Bingo. have a few drinks. Yeah, exactly. Meet so, some girls. That's it. So yeah. Exactly. It was four years of a Cheech and Chong existence <laughs> like you cannot believe. This is awesome. Oh, it was incredible because in those days you could smoke on airplanes. Well, of course. And, yeah. and it didn't have to be cigarettes in your no, case. No, and we yeah. did. We do it. Yeah. You go in the bathroom and you push down the plunger and you yeah, okay. can smoke a joint. Yeah. I mean, in planning, I said- Don't try we, this at home, no, folks. No, and not on a plane because yeah. they're very fussy yeah. about it. And we don't advocate uh, for this type of behavior, no, but, no, but no, Paul is here as my guest have to let him go. Anyway, <laughs> so uh, so you're you're flying around. You you're international, literally, literally flying high. Uh, yeah, right. it was international. We, every I know one summer I was in Paris every week and yep. didn't didn't really appreciate it because I was too busy getting high and chasing girls. You know, it's a very. But you're 23. I know that's what you're supposed Who to do. Who cares that's about the, in the job Tower. description? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean. Oh my God! It was heaven. Right. You know? you get up on this again. It's a charter flight. Yeah, it was my first international flight. I had okay. been a couple of domestic things, but first international flight. Before I, I took the job, I quit smoking. I quit drinking. I quit smoking dope because I would get very straight and you know working right, out. Right. Right. First international flight. This I'm walking down. We had just taken off from Gander, Newfoundland. Which is, if you get a chance to go, avoid it. <laughs> uh, After this, I think I will. Yeah. And, and, and we had just taken off like an hour, an hour and a half towards Luxembourg. And this poor guy who had just gotten married, he was in his 50s at the time, he, his first uh, wife, the first marriage for both of them, and it was very sweet, but he wasn't feeling well. And I walked by him, and I swear, the only way I can describe it is that he just seized up. So the poor guy had a massive heart attack and just died literally right in front of me. Okay. And I did what good flight attendants do. I sure. shrieked. And I said, what the hell? Right. What do I, of course. What do, what, do I do? What, do I, what do I do now? Yeah. Yep. And, and so we started working on him. Long story short, he died. He put, the poor guy died yeah. in flight. and. The rule at the time was maybe it still is that when somebody this is it's not funny but it's, it's funny that when somebody died on a flight you had to make it look like they weren't dead right of course so, to calm the passengers exactly yeah regardless of the color yeah the exactly right was he gonna go I mean, so they so they we propped him up on the seat and put a blanket up around him yeah. I swear to God put an oxygen mask on this guy who's the color of a Welch's grape by this point. And his wife, we had her up at the front of the plane getting drunk with a priest who was on board. You can't make this up. No, I know. And it was so bizarre. And so, and then I told you about the captain. <laughs> Terrible. Captain Paul Berger, I'll never forget, he was a German man. And I swear he was an ex-SS uh, uh, officer yeah. from the war. Yeah. But he was a very straight, narrow guy. And so we're, we, I thought we were going to turn the plane around and go back because that was the rule. You got a dead guy on board. Yeah. It's not a big plane. 
No. Well, no, it was 252 people. Oh, okay. Yeah. But but with a dead guy on it, it's awfully small. It gets very small, <laughs> yeah. And people were, like, moving up because the poor guy, you know, you die, you you, you start to smell after a while. You so do? people Yeah. Oh, good. Okay. <laughs> you got that to look forward right. to. I just it. have to remember that. I get yeah. taking notes here. Well, we're going to be dead. We don't care. Right. But, uh, good point. It's, it's over. The captain comes out, goes walking back, and he comes walking back to the front galley, and I whispered to him, Captain, are we, are we going to go back? And he literally screams out in that German accent, what for? The man's dead. Why are we going to go back? And he goes marching into the cockpit, and everybody's like looking at me. It's like, ay, ay, ay. And so we just went to Luxembourg, where I immediately started smoking, started drinking, started doing uh, smoking dope again. Why wouldn't you? Yeah. You got a like, dead guy in the That's a perfect excuse. Yeah. <laughs> well, I told Paul, I mean, if, if uh, geez, we're, I'm hoping that this will become a feature-length movie, because um, you also had another guy to die at another flight, which yeah. I, I, I just don't understand. I mean... <sighs> Yeah. You probably have a lot of other flight attendants that have had one in their whole career, and you're three years into this yeah. thing, you got two down. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. I am never flying with you, ever. No, no, and I'm no, never no. going, what's that place? Where? Yeah. New Zealand, or what is it? Oh, Gander, Newfoundland. Gan- Gander, Newfoundland. Yeah. Forget it. I mean, the, this clearly, that's the, oh, the they, culprit. Yeah. And, and, well, yeah. And, I mean, uh, but in defense of Gander, they're they're very sweet. They're very nice people. It's Canada. They're nice. They're Canada's slogan is, well, we're nice. Well, have to be nice. Yeah. Have you yeah. been up there? Yeah, I know. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's too cold not to be nice. But they... Uh, Gander during uh, the 9-11 attacks, yeah. a lot of planes are stranded up there, and Gander took a lot of people in. So Gander, it's a wonderful place. That it's just, changes it's, everything. Yeah, there's just nothing there. I just don't think I want to fly in, but I'm happy no. to send him a card or something. Yeah, so yeah. so uh, that's one of Paul's uh, experiences. So, so you know, you've lived this this uh, wonderfully diverse life. You refuse to, to plug into uh, uh, what I call a shadow, which is, you know, that, that old uh, – your family had some self-limiting beliefs. Your father mm-hmm. – um, um, you were told you had to do things a certain way, line your ducks up. Instead, you look at life as really uh, a constant opportunity for uh, change and excitement. Yeah. Right? Because what's the point? We're not here that long. You right. know, why not make the most of it? Right. Because I know so many people who, you know, all the travel writing, everything, people people with a lot of money look at me and say, God, I wish I had your life. I said, well, you know, there's really, there's no reason not to to, to try. This good friend, uh, it was a friend of mine I play hockey with. He uh, he has his own insurance agency, right? And he, he he's... 50s, I guess. And he's, every time we talk, it's like, oh, I've got like X amount of years and days to go to retirement. I said, if you're listening to yourself, I said, you basically, you're just counting the days till you die. Uh, and you could be dead by then. I said, what do you like to do? He said, oh, well, I like the woodwork. He built, a house. He, he makes stuff. I said, then sell the company do and do it. He said, well, you know, but he's from that, you know, he's sort of that Irish man, I don't know if it's Irish mentality, but you got to do what you got to do. What I you don't gotta either, do. Paul. And how no. about this one? Have you heard this one? Hey, Paul, I'm just putting in my time. Exactly. That's putting exactly in my time. what it is, yeah. How much time do you think you have? Yeah, yeah. What time? Uh, yeah, it's not like a bank you can draw time from. This right. Is, you know, the bank's closed. You don't know when the bank is going to close. Exactly. The ATM is going to shut down I mean, and spit that, your card back I out. heard a lot of that, and certainly from my father's generation, yeah. and God bless them. They, oh, they were hard workers. They're wonderful people. But yeah. um, the happy news is that you broke out of that that mentality. You're not putting in your time. You're, um, you're looking at every... Day is another corner. What's exactly. around that bend? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and it's funny because I come from a journalistic background. I worked for the Taunton Gazette for yep. 15 years. Yep. Uh, and in journalism, you can get pretty jaded pretty, pretty quickly and not trust people and think everything, everything's a, everything's bad and whatever. And especially these days where right. the news is, is just, just hammering away at you. But, um, <clears throat> yeah, every day, every day you have a choice. You be happy or not be happy. Right. So get up and be happy. It is a choice. It yeah. is a choice. And, you know, for some people, they're, they're struggling with things and this and that. We yeah. all have our ups and downs, oh, yeah. and God knows you've had them. Yeah. I've had them. But um, I think, you know, another thing I, that, that intrigues me about you is your ability to connect with people. 
Yeah. Um, because when I first met you and you saw my reaction, your first reaction was to come over and have a conversation, yeah. which extended to the next night we had a play up in Medway. And um, uh, you, you were seeking a connection to see whether you could share yeah. your story, if anything, your story resonated with me, and, and, yeah. and yeah. it did. Yeah. And, and um, you know, to me, it's what I love about doing this program is I get to sit four and a half feet away from somebody and so for some reason with the microphones and everything else, sometimes stories come out that they may not have told if we just met at a coffee shop. You know, yeah. I hate that expression. Hey, how you doing? I'm doing good. Yeah. Great. Have a good day. You too. It it, it yeah. just brings hollow with me. Yeah. You know, uh, I'd rather it? ignore all the people that I don't want to talk to yeah. and have a meaningful conversation with the ones I do. Yeah. No, that's true. Kind of cynical, you, you, you're, you're, it? Or have I, I gotten old enough to be able to Well, do you that? are pretty old. Yeah, yeah. Not as old as I am yet, well, so. You're getting there. You got we'll all see. your hair, you son yeah. of a... Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, no, you're right. Um, and it's funny because you, you, I think as you get older, too, you, you kind of just cast aside people who aren't going to do you any good, basically, yeah. emotionally or whatever. You just intuitively know who you want to connect with, and you connect with them. And and honest to God, I've, and I think I've written about this, the thing about Facebook, you know, before in, in publishing, I'd have to wait like a week to, to, to have an opinion. And now Facebook, you have an opinion every five seconds. Of course. And, and people somehow, they, they like it. You know, it's just kind of cool. But I've written about how I'll go to a party with the adults, and if there's kids there, I may end up on the floor with the kids because, honest to God, kids and animals are the most genuine souls on the face of the earth because there's no filters with kids. Absolutely none. For sure. Kids are all innocence and joy and in the moment talk about being in the moment who's more in the moment than a kid or, or a dog you say to watch you want to get happy like you say, say watch a bird watch a bird do what a bird does or watch a squirrel i was watching a squirrel out here on the fence yeah that's all the squirrel he's in the moment that's yeah. all he knows is the moment yeah and kids are like that and i just love that innocence of kids and it it, it kills me that it some point you know adulthood maturity has to beat that out of them that childlike innocence that childlike that wonder of, of the next corner kids kids just eat that and up. you know what paul we're beating it out of them earlier and earlier yeah I so know. what we have clinics for four-year-olds in soccer know. yeah it's got to be a clinic yeah no kidding yeah and, yeah and by the way you have to go the parents have to go to every game because god forbid they miss they miss yeah. one the dad's not gonna have the opportunity to yell at johnny god. and he if he'd yelled at him johnny would have swung his right leg and scored a goal exactly i mean yeah. it's so programmed yeah. so oh, where's no the where's the play i don't know because i think too many people equate that four-year-old child to the pros you know all of a sudden and, and it virtually nobody makes the pros it's such a tiny tiny number but everybody thinks the kids the next uh, you know my kid bobby or the hockey yeah yeah but they're not. You just let I them have it's, fun. It's one of my folks. We are having a conversation with Paul Kandarian here on Chapters Radio. We're talking about his life. He's a fascinating guy, an actor, a writer. Speaking of writing, you do write uh, on a um, uh, yeah. freelance, freelance, I'll yeah. call it. Yeah. Um, you've written for The Globe, The Patriot Ledger, yeah, uh, Rhode Island Monthly. Rhode Island Monthly. Yeah. Uh, you've had a number of projects. One that's really, really fascinating to me, you actually collaborated with the founder of of the TED Talks on yeah. a book. Uh, the TED Talks started, the TED Conference, TED Talks, 84, 1984, right. yeah. and he sold it in 2002. Yeah. yeah. And and you collaborated on this book. Can you talk to me a little bit about Richard and, yeah. and the experience of working with him? Yeah, his name is Richard Saul Werman. He's uh, from Philly. He was an architect. Um, look, this guy's got, I'm the, he is the most interesting guy in the world, a guy you've never heard of. Uh, but he started the TED conferences in 84 because he saw the, the, the convergence of technology, entertainment, design. And he got all these great speakers together. And it was the, one of the first showings of the 1984 Macintosh commercial. And that, that's what these conferences did. They, they, they had stuff 
the, the guys from uh, uh, the guy, the founder of Google first appeared at a TED conference to oh, talk right. about this. Yeah. So he had people on before they got big, before these things happened. So he was always ahead of the curve like that. And these conferences were just fascinating. But I did a story, a profile on him for Rhode Island Monthly. He was living in Newport. And I just sat down with him for like a couple hours and, and, and did this 3,000-word story. And he, he called up. Said, that was good. He said, you weren't here that long. But you, put, you see, you got me. You understand who I am. I said, yeah, you're an interesting guy. It, was, it wasn't that hard to do. But anyway... So we kept in touch, and I did. I helped him out on a couple of projects. We did a book called Thirty Three, which is a fable. It's just uh, the number thirty three. It's about uh, uh, he created this little creature based on himself called the Commissioner of Imagination and Curiosity, and it's it's this beautiful fable. And How if you cool get, is that? Yeah, and I think it's still on. Uh, I think it might be still on uh, Amazon or somewhere, but it's called Thirty Three. The, the number 33, if you want to look it up. And it was great. So we did that. And he, he, he he's written 100 books. He did he coined the expression, he did books on information architecture, information anxiety. He did the Access Guide series books, which revolutionized guidebooks. Oh, it smokes. Yeah, because before it was just like, okay, we got hotels, we got restaurants, we yep. got museums. Yep. He did it. He was living in L.A. And he said, I don't know where I am. I'm standing under the corner. So I want to know what's to my left and what's to my right. So he wrote, started writing guidebooks. Long before the Internet. Yeah, based yeah. on that. Yeah. It's like, okay, if you're standing on Wilshire Boulevard, you turn to your left, you're going to see this. Yeah. And it just, and it took off and he sold that for a bunch of money. And uh, he, he did the Yellow Pages of Understanding or Jeepers. Learning. He did so many incredible books, health, understanding healthcare, understanding the Olympics. He did a whole understanding series. And that's his thing is understanding. How do we understand? Uh, uh, he said, understanding is, uh, oh, you only understand something relative to something you already understand. Yeah, his analogy, and, sense, and yeah. I use this all the time, if if I told you, you know, you say, how big is an acre? You'd think, well, geez, I don't know how many square feet, blah, blah. But if I said an acre is roughly the size of a football field without the end zones, go, oh, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, I got you that. understand it relative to what you already Absolutely. understand. Yep. And he has, you call them wormanisms. He's got stuff like that. He said, when this, if you don't ask, you don't get. In his conferences, he was a very good friend with Steve Jobs. Every conference, he called up Steve and he computers. Boom. Steve Jobs would send him a ton of computers. Whatever he needed, he would just call people up. He gave the advice to people freely. And he, I walked into his house one day, and he's on the phone giving advice uh, to Norman Lear on how to do a conference on, on fashion. Yeah, honest to God. And he what, put, what a man. He's, he's living now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's 84. He's down in Florida. And, and I, you're still I, in touch with him? Yeah, yeah. I yeah. just did this latest project, but I, lo- I love the guy. He's and the, the name of the book is Understanding, Understanding. Yeah. And, and that's what you collaborated with him on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I did a lot of the transcription and editing, did a ton of editing. Um, and it's how we understand, you know, how we understand. And he's got essays in there by Walt Mossberg, Stefan Sagmeister. <coughs> Frank Geary, uh, just the world is a litany of world-class thinkers and designers and, and planners, and he's got a lot of charts in there because he's big on charts and diagrams and graphs. It's just a, it's a fascinating book, and it's like eight hundred pages. Yeah, yeah. So he's been doing great stuff, and he continues yeah. to be a mentor of yours today. Yeah, and, I, and it's funny because he doesn't want to be somebody's mentor, but he is, and I, I, he's. He just sees things. He sees patterns, and he's like a, a, a guru to so many people. Mm-hmm. And I don't idolize anybody. I don't idolize him. I just, um, I just look up to him, and I and I like how he thinks. Mm. My next iteration, I want to, I want to do public speaking. I really do. I really I have this urge to. I, I, I see it. 
I want to talk to people about designing your life, because whether, whether we mean to design our life or not, we design our life yeah, with every to, waking moment. Talk to me about that. Um, so I, I have, you have, everybody has, whether they mean it or not. They can, you can design it negatively, you can design it positively. You can, you can affect change that you want to affect, or you can just wait for change to happen to you, and that's the worst thing you can do. You're letting other people pull your strings, and you don't want to do that. But I, I just want to I want to put together something. I've been taking notes on it. See, the problem I've got a, a mind that's in a million different directions at once. Yeah. And I need I need a mind coach or something mm-hmm. to just to corral all this stuff. Maybe what you gave to um, to Richard. Yeah. You know, some a corral. Yeah. Maybe somebody to corral your. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 I, I always tell people the second you start listening to other people's voices and not your own. Is you're going to go the wrong way, right? Because again, those voices are going to lead you somewhere else. Right. Your parents will say, "My dad was a very, he was a, he was a very supportive," and he said he used to tell me, "I don't care if you're shoveling, you know, poop as long as you're happy." He said, "Just be happy." So everything I've done, I've been happy. But he was also of that old mindset where you got to work, you got to get a job, you got to go to school, blah blah blah. Yeah. So I, I for a long time, I listened to his voice, and and some of it's still in my head. Do you uh, remember a, a particularly? pivotal point in time or do you remember a period of time where you said ah, I'm breaking out of this I'm, I'm you know this acting bug because that's what you love you love yeah. to act oh my yeah that's all I want to do that's all you want to do yeah. you just want to monetize that and oh, no, yeah. so you can kind of pay the yeah. bills and I'm good at it yeah I, mean, I know you are. I'm not See, shy about it <laughs> no 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 you are good at it and uh, you're very good at it so that's what you wanted to do Do you remember yeah. a pivotal time when you said I'm gonna yes. break free of these chains uh, well, in chains in general I don't know I think I've always had I, these thoughts yeah they're limiting I've always Every job I have ever had was fun. I made it fun somehow. Mm-hmm. And then when it wasn't fun, I just moved on to something else. So I've always done that yeah. intuitively. I've just intuitively lived my, my own voice and followed my own heart. And the, the other voices that were chiming in, they were discordant. And it was kind of, you know, incongruous. It, 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 it was a little jarring. But I still kind of follow my own way, but I was paying far too much attention to them. I would do what I wanted to do, but then I feel guilty about it. Yeah. And, and I, yeah. Don't know, I don't know at what point I stopped feeling guilty. But I did. It just kind of happened. It was just evolved into it. But as far as the acting goes, it was in like 11, 11 years ago, I did a story on Kurt Columbus, who was the then new artistic director at um, Trinity Rep. Okay. And I had not been to theater that much. I had been to yep. theater, local theater where my girlfriend lives. And I'd seen people up on stage and I'm like, I know I could do this. I know I could do this. And back in Seekonk High School, um, I had always wanted to do it. I always fancied myself as a performer somehow. So I tried out for the drama club, and honest to God, I went to a meeting of the drama club. I was sitting on the stage, looking at all the empty seats, and it spooked me. And then I was looking at backstage at all the, the ropes and pulleys, and the the, the, the majesty, the, the the promise of the of the, the fear of failure of it all just got to me, and I just walked away and never did it until I went to uh, did the story on Kurt Columbus at Trinity, and I went to a performance of I believe it was Cherry Orchard, a, a mm-hmm. Chekhov play, and I'm sitting on the aisle seat. And just getting caught up in it. And at the beginning, uh, um, Joe Wilson Jr. is a powerful actor at the Trinity Company. He came down like next to me, and he was paying attention to what's going up on stage because that was his entrance. And I was looking at him, and I could see the electricity and the energy in his eyes, and he could, the hair on his arms was standing up, and his nostrils were flaring because he was getting into listening to what's happening on stage because he was in character, and he was going to go down and do it. And I swear to God, I almost cried. I mean, it was so magical. I said, why have I waited so long for this? Why? You know? And so I didn't I did the story, loved it, and then I tried out at the Marion Arts Center. Yeah. Um Community Theater. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh I got cast in the lead uh, in later life of all things, a gurney play about a really? guy. Yeah. I said, Wow, that's not a sign. I don't know why. I was just hit. gonna say, so so you go in and get a yes. 
Yeah. And not only you got a yes, you get a lead. Yeah, the lead. And they, and it was like as soon and I So you're saying, oh man, what would I been doing all these years? No, exactly. And then it's in it rehearsals. I loved it. And I was the first one off book, which they call a script as book. Yeah. Because I, I don't like walking around with the script in my hand. I like to memorize stuff and get it out of the you're way. You're really good at memorization. Yeah, which is odd because, like I said, Despite I, your I smoke more dope than Chich and Chong <laughs> in the 70s. So I said, you should not have a brain cell left. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, it's basically applesauce up there. But, I but anyway, so they, I did this in a, the second, I, uh, funny, the first play I did backstage, uh, I was getting a little nervous and I haven't been nervous since. And that's not ego, that's just confidence. Of I course. Uh, and my heart was in my throat. And I asked the gal who was going out ahead of me, I said, is that kind of normal? My heart wants to leap out of my throat right. she goes no probably not and then she walked out <laughs> on stage but that totally disarmed me i laughed right and i got out on stage and as soon as i got out there I said my first line I said, what have i been why did i wait so long there's no more freeing feeling in the world than letting it go <laughs> and being who you're meant to be and if that's a character it's a character it's you're talking what, about authenticity exactly you have to be true to yourself yeah or why why do you going to be true to the other people you got to be who you are yeah. you know and so that 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 moment i was like I got to do this. Yeah. So I've been doing it. I did theater there for like four years, and then I branched out to Middleborough to do shows in Providence, and then film came along. And in the last three years, I, I signed up with Model Club in Boston. So technically, Jim, I'm a male model. I know. I ah. noticed when you came in, the way you were walking, <laughs> yeah. just that your presence. The comportment. It, yeah. But, uh, <laughs> the so, toupee. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and, and uh, so I've done, you know, I get paid for, for acting. Yeah. And uh, some of it pays well, some of it doesn't. But it's it's it, it kind of it gives value to what you're doing, you know, and that's what we all seek. I, I get value from what I'm doing. I get excited working on a student project for free with kids yeah. as I do. I was a, a spokesman for an insurance company down in New Jersey. I yeah. went to play the snarky guy. Yeah, thanks a lot. That's okay. Well, you got to liven up insurance because really, <laughs> hey <know>. man, <laughs> it's the most boring it's thing. Um, but every everything, just everything about it appeals to me. The whole experience, the rehearsal, being on set. I yep. did, and when I and I, a lot of friends of mine who are actors, they'll go on Facebook and write about, oh, they got this audition or that. And I'll do that up to a point, but I don't a lot. And 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 I always try to turn around on the other people, mm. like the actors. They call them talent. The 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 phrases the the talent, meaning the actors, and that always bugged me because the, the guy who's doing the, the sound, he's incredible talent. The guy with the lights, talent, everybody's talent on a, on a shoot, but they call the actors talent, and we're revered for some reason. We shouldn't be. We're all in this thing together. Yeah, we are, and um, boy, I love the way, the way you described all of that. Uh, before I move on, I just want to remind people that we're speaking with Paul Kandarian uh, here on Chapters Radio. Uh, chaptersradio.com is where you can find our podcast. You can look up Paul on Facebook. He's a great guy. He'll friend anybody, yeah, right, will, at yeah. this point in our lives? Pretty much, yeah. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. just about. Yeah. Although I, but, I did friend somebody from, like, I don't know where she was from. I but know, I, I see have those. You th- have you had those? Yeah. and I. Yeah. I they, it looks they, great on its face, especially at our age. Well, the what face? They're not showing their face, Jim. These oh, beautiful girls. that was the, the problem. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Those you can pretty much tell. Never to delete that. Yeah, yeah. but Paul, Paul, Paul will friend you. You spell his name K A N D A R I A N. And what's so exhilarating about talking with uh, with you about the subject is that you're not walking by these opportunities, at least not, not anymore, and certainly not in the recent past. And um, I think I think that in order to self actualize, we have to listen to that authentic self. Right? Yep. I mean, you can't fake it through life. You can. Yeah. As my dad says, the cemetery is filled with regrets. And yeah, do you yeah. really want to go there? Yeah. Right? Yeah. What What would you tell a kid these days? I mean, like you said, you have this 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 raw little piece of material. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, kids coming along, you know, the kids that you speak to, what do you tell them about? How do you, how do you translate that to a child? 
a child or, or, or a young adult? A or? young adult, either. Yeah. Well, like I said, I love working with kids. Uh, and I went to an audition at BU the other day. Uh, and there was just three young filmmakers, and I, and I we we had a great conversation. They were asking me questions before the actual interview, and it was just it was beautiful. It was, and I hate to use the word organic, but you know, it, yeah. it just it just felt great. And these kids, and I and I looked at them, and I told them, and I told them my background. And I said, exactly where you guys are right now is where you need to be. And I said, and I, what everybody says, don't take no for an answer. Just do what you're doing now. Just do it with everything you that is you, mm-hmm. that everything you own. Make it, make it yours, and don't back down. Don't say take no for an answer. If this is what you want to do, if this is what your inner voice is telling you to do, do it. There's a place for you. Yeah, and I get, I get positively, uh, you know, paternal and preachy about it. And I sometimes I have to apologize and pull back. But I feel so strongly about this because I don't want you. Got my father used to say, "Waste money, waste everything. Don't waste time." Uh, and it's one of the, you know, one of the great advice that he gave me. And I tell kids that I said, you, before you know it, you're going to wake up and you're going to be like 50, 60 years old, and maybe doing something you regret having done your whole life. Don't be that person. Right. If we can bring in mentors along the way that may be closer to their age, that that's powerful too. Yeah, oh I met one recently who was in her thirties and and yeah. had a voice telling her she'll never be a playwright. Well, guess what? She yeah. is now one. Oh yeah, because yeah. she fought back. Yeah. Well, there's I did this story on for the Globe. I do a, a, a stories on people and on businesses for the Globe South, and one uh, lady who runs a an investment agency. Uh, she was saying she worked with a woman. They work with a lot of women going through divorce or widowing. Uh, I said, this woman had a horrible marriage. and She always wanted to be an artist, but she never did it. And then when she got divorced, they 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 created a way for her to show her art. Now she's a thriving artist. Now she does like a half a million dollars a year selling her art because she said when that's the, when we can make that happen for people, that's, right. that's the magic. So, uh, you know, I'm, I was th- that feeds right into what I was going to ask you. That woman didn't necessarily, I'm guessing, start out saying, I need to make a half a million dollars no, a year. No, She started out saying, I want to follow my passion. Exactly. Yeah. Okay? I want to make art. Yeah. You didn't start out acting saying, I need to make a half a million no. dollars a year, did no. you? No. Yeah. No. In fact, I, I'd be happy to make a half a million, but yeah, yeah. I'd be happy to make a, a money. You right. Know? Yeah. Right. Right. But, but, uh, but it feeds you. It feeds oh, your no, soul. Oh, no. Totally. Yeah. And that's the thing. I mean, I... And I've got, I've told you before, I've got this block. Finances and I have never gotten along for mm-hmm. some reason. I don't know if it's because my dad would always say we're not good with money. And I think a part of that still eats at me. And so the, the, the money flow hasn't materialized yet. But I'm confident it will. I just hope I'm still alive when it does. <laughs> I want to be here to cash the check, you know. <laughs> but uh, I, I just... Um, you, you, you can't put a price on uh, passion. You can't. I, I did a story once. You get to think I'm dropping names. Anthony Quinn. You might remember Anthony Quinn. I do Quinn. remember Anthony Quinn from Jaws. Oh, Jesus. Anthony Quinn? I don't know who the hell he is. Anthony Quinn? You don't know who Anthony yeah, Quinn is? Yeah, I do, but I can't remember what he was in. Uh, Zorba the Greek. He uh, uh, Zorba Requiem the Greek. for a heavyweight. I think he was a Requiem for He was an Academy Award winning actor. He's a What's Greek he look guy, like? Zorba. He's a big. Uh, he's dead now. He probably doesn't. Who look am I thinking? They got the drunk guy in Jaws. Oh, that's Robert Shaw. Oh yeah, yeah. That's what I meant. So you okay, met Robert no. Shaw? No, <laughs> Anthony Quinn. Oh, okay. So oh you interviewed God. Robert just, Shaw. Just sales. The wind just came right out of the sails. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, I met Robert Shaw. Anthony Quinn. Anthony Quinn. I'm he's, gonna look him up right the now. The Globe used to yeah do that now, and they'll go oh yes. And that sound you hear of slapping flesh is Jim hitting himself in the head. <laughs> but Anthony Quinn is a great actor, and, and uh, the Globe used to do a thing called Voices, where you'd interview people yeah. and then put it in their own voices. And Anthony Quinn, uh, I went to his house once. He had a house in Bristol. So I was talking to him, we, we, and this is long before I started acting. But he was talking about passion. I have to have passion. He had this great growly voice, and he said he would basically said, a man without passion is nothing. You know, and he scared me because he was Anthony Quinn. And he was Zorba the Greek. He's scaring me right now. Yeah. Look at his picture. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
that's him. Yeah. Sorry. So go, please continue. Yeah, now no. that I know who he is. Yeah. Well, he said, and that stuck with me too. Is you, a man or a human being without passion is what are you doing? You, you, your, your suit, your, your, you know, the flesh and blood around emptiness. You know, you got, you have to follow your passion. And even people who are stuck in jobs that they like said they're counting the days till they retire, or yeah, whatever. Putting in my time. Yeah, you could find passion in that somehow, or passion somewhere else. You know, yeah. you don't have to lead a humdrum. Unless leading a humdrum existence makes you happy, all the more power to you. You know, my old man started working for the Boston Red Sox. This was always his dream. At sixty-eight years old, oh, yeah. he's now their oldest employee at eighty-four. Is he really? And yeah. because he's the man that he is, he walks around Fenway Park, and his proudest achievement is not knowing the ownership, which he does. It's the stories behind the stories. So yeah. why are you working at Gate D, Mr. Usher? Let's get to know each other. Let's have a cup of exactly. coffee. Exactly. Yeah. Tell oh me my your God. story. Well, the, you know, the whole concept of chapters and story, stories. Everyone's a, got, a got a story. Every story's like worth my telling. Editor, my editor at the time when I started the Gazette in the early 80s, and he was as old as I am now, basically. I thought he was ancient. So he said, everybody's got a story. And I've always maintained that you could stop anybody on the street. You could write a book in the city to stopping people on the street. Tell me a story. And you can get three, four pages out of it. Because everybody's done something interesting that you could relate to and write about. When I travel, uh, I, I get hit up by homeless people. And sometimes, and I, and I don't do this to be exploitive, but I, I'll say, look, I'll give you a couple of bucks, but tell me your story. I want to, I want to know about you. Great. Sometimes they do. Sometimes they t- tell you to f off, whatever. But it, one guy was a veteran, and he was just so compelling. And he said, I'm not going to use it to buy booze. And maybe he was, but I've got, I need, I'm hungry. And he told me about this uh, uh, encampment of homeless people. This is in Seattle. And it, it just got to me because everybody's got a story, and this guy had something to say. I'm know? wondering if you've ever had this experience. Guessing you have. Have you ever looked at somebody in the eyes, the way we're looking at yeah. each other right now, and asked them something about themselves and, and seen tears well up in their eyes? Yeah, yeah. 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 And, and, and what I started to wonder about is where's that emotion coming from? Maybe it's because they haven't been connected with in a long time. Yeah. Does, does that make sense? Yes. I, I, we live in a bubble. We do, we do tend to, and it's a, it's a Northeast thing, but I think it's a human thing in I general. Do. But in the Northeast, we're kind of isolated and cold and, and alone. We don't look, we look down over our cell phones. We don't look people in the eyes. There's a sense of connection that, that when it happens, it's like, this is how it's supposed to be. Right. We're not supposed to be walking around in a vacuum. We're not supposed to be paying attention to ourselves and not realizing there's other energy forces out there that connect with us and somehow we are all connected uh you know we we lose sight of that or we do or we were never taught that i think intuitively we know that but then the real world gets in the way like i was saying with kids the innocence and the joy of being a child gives way to maturity and having to fit into a mold having to do yeah, things. a new conversation like we're having right yeah. now and you start drilling down a little bit that can bring a lot of emotion to the surface yeah. and you do that in your plays you do that with your acting yeah you help evoke those emotions. Yeah, and uh, this, the play we do, the Four Lakes to Stand on, people, we've done it at Phoenix House down in, in, in oh, Rhode yeah. Island. And yep. We thought it was like 100 addicts sitting there listening to us. Said, Everybody's going to call BS on us. It's these guys because they, they live in this. And same thing. They said, "That's you're my father. That's my mom. That's oh. our kitchen table. Because it was just so well written. It's just such a beautiful uh, uh, narrative. And it just connects with people in such a gut, visceral, guttural, uh, gut-wrenching, spiritual way. Mm-hmm. We're not in this alone. No. We're, we're, we're here to help each other, whether yeah. we know it or not. You, know? you mentioned you were the class clown. Yeah. So was I. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot to be said for that. And, you know, I was telling you before, if I said this on the air or not, but... Um, uh, you know, my brother used to say they're laughing at you. Yeah, I did say this. They're laughing at you. They're not laughing with you. So what's the matter with that? Yeah, they're, they're laughing. laughing. They're yeah. laughing. Period. But yeah, no. And and, and I always was outside the box. I would I distinctly remember it's second grade 
it was really early that I had a a, a picture, an outline of grapes, right? Yeah. And we were coloring. So I just went, woohoo. And I was just like, go crazy, filling in, not just filling in, but way outside the lines. Yeah, yeah. And the teacher came over and it was just like a, it was like a brick in the wall. It was like a Pink Floyd video. <laughs> and it was like, you can't do that. You, can, you, know, you, you must stay within the lines, young man, you know. Uh, and I and I felt such shame. And, and another time, I was in the second grade, and I had tomato soup. I haven't eaten tomato soup since. And I filled it up with crackers and made kind of like a paste of tomato and crackers. What's wrong with that? Nothing. Who doesn't? And the teachers do that? came over and said, "That's disgusting." She called another teacher over. It was literally like a Pink Floyd video. So you can't do that. That's that's wrong. And to this day, I cannot eat tomatoes. And it's, I don't like it anyway. I, I would eat it if I wanted to, but I just don't like tomato soup. But that that kind of thing that that those early bombardments of adulthood when you're trying to be a kid can really form you and stay with you. And it takes a lot to shed that now, stuff. Now, and, and at some point, any attention becomes good. Because exactly. if you're marginalized like that, yeah, oh, yeah. that stinks, that stinks, yeah, that stinks. Yeah, you're not yeah. fitting in. Well, now I'm going to be a clown and see what happens. Exactly. And maybe, yeah. hey, maybe I get thrown out of class, but at least I'm getting some attention. And, yeah. you know, I think it's getting easier for kids to be more creative now. It's more acceptable, mm-hmm. but... Uh, you just got to let them, if they have these uh, c- creative thoughts, let it, let it happen. Let it manifest itself. What's the role of comedy in your life? Oh, I love it. I mean, I love to laugh. Mm-hmm. I love, like, I love laugh. I love making people laugh more than anything. What is it about laughter that makes you? Because it's, it, it's genuine, yeah. you know? I mean, you can walk in and say something profound and people will scratch your chin and go, yes, that's very deep. Yeah, but if you yeah. say, just come in and be, you know, why is this being, being funny? And they just burst into, they laugh. It's instant. It's there. It's in, it's in the moment, right. as it were. You know, right. it's it, laughter is one of the most honest emotions. Yeah. I mean, you can tell when it's fake. People get nervous laughter, but if you can make somebody genuinely laugh, <laughs> it, it, it's great. And yeah. I agree with you. Laughter is just good for the soul. Yeah. Uh, I like self-deprecating humor because oh, yeah. I think it shows humility, yeah. um, and that's something that you have in abundance is humility. And I think yeah. that people are attracted to people that have that quality. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. And, and it, one of the nicest things I hear as an actor, and, they, and I, I get this a lot, and they say that in humility, but is that they say- Yeah, right. We'll cut that part. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Make the door's not big enough in my head. <laughs> but people will say, you're just natural. You yeah. look so natural. Yeah. You just bring a natural to there's a presence and naturalness. And it's, that's that's the highlight as an actor. Because if you look like you're not, if you look like you're acting, you're not, you're, you're not doing it right. Yeah. If you just look like you're being Jim or whatever the character is, and I've had people who've known me for a long time, they'll come and they'll say, they'll see me in a play or they'll say, you know, for a couple of minutes there, I realize that's Paul up there, but then you totally get lost. So it, the, the movie that I uh, I did, Sundown, people have said, Sundown, yeah. people Most have recent, said that, yeah. um, you know, I know it's you, but then totally forget that it's you. I yeah. said, oh, that's great. That's what, what I want you to do. Right? I want you to. I want I'll you tell to. you what, when you were on that stage in Coast, you put so much energy. Now, you do a lot of these productions. Yeah. How many do you do oh, of Co- Coast oh, a year? Oh, we've done, this is the third year, so I've done well, many dozens of them. We dozens. got like 20-something this year. Right, and it's only a 35-minute production, but yeah. man, the energy that you put out is that dad. And as you said, you had first-hand experience, yeah. but you still done it enough where- yeah. Uh, I tell you, man, I, I, I felt like I was watching myself and, yeah. um, it was so therapeutic for me. Yeah. Um, yeah, I can imagine that's a great compliment when people oh, say, yeah. I forget it's you up there. Yeah, I thought no, it was just, me or I, yeah, no, I know, love that. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. So, uh, what's the next corner at, I mean, acting, uh, acting and more acting. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. I found the corner that I like and it's just now, now it's, it's a, it's a never ending corner. It's like a loop or mm-hmm. not a loop, but it's. I don't know where it's going to go, and, I, and I, I envision it going someplace to get bigger and better. My mantra every day is that, you know, I, I, I harp on the finances, but I'm broke all the time. I got a car with 315,000 miles on it mm-hmm. that's about to die. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't care. It's just I got a feeling 
the universe is going to take care of things. You know, something's going to happen. Something's going to manifest itself because I don't, I don't really fret that stuff. But, but unfortunately, finances weighs on us all, and it can keep you up at night sometimes. Sure. Um, so I'm, I, I, something's going to happen. And, and one of my mantras is I, I'm already wealthy because I'm wealthy in so many ways. Really, so I'm rich beyond rich in the ways that matter. You know? Yeah. Um, but I, I, I just wait for the next thing to happen and they make it happen cause I'm, I'm busting my hump. I, I signed up a backstage. I'm always going out for, I had two auditions this week and it's, it's really worked out. I found a lot, a lot of gigs. I get acting through model club, through Boston cast, yeah. but I just looking for the bigger and better ones that, that pay more and get more attention so I can do more what I love to do. Before we came in, I was reading an article about you and your son Yeah, and it's a great picture yeah. Uh, yeah. of the two of you guys. You guys close? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. We were close even during the hell, hellish yeah. years. Yeah. Uh, very close, because I was like the only one that stood by him. Right, yeah. right. And your relationship's good. And how old is your son? He is going to be 30 this year. Yeah. Yeah. 30? And yeah. he's out of the military. Yeah. He went. He had a, a addiction problem uh, before the military. He got clean. Uh, and then he, he went in the military, saw things that no young person should ever right. see. Right, I read that, yeah. Uh, came back and got into it again, and things that just really went downhill. I thought he was dead any number of times. Uh, he was, he, you know, he's been there. Um, so, but yeah, he, I finally got him to the VA to get help, and it finally took, something finally clicked. And he always said, I stood by him and I helped, blah, 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 but it's him. He, he, we find the strength inside us to do what we got to do. It's like in the play, I said, you got to fight this fight yourself, and exactly. I told him that a million times. Yeah. And he did, and he stayed clean three and a half years, knock wood, and uh, he's a, a psych major at UMass Boston. Um, we did a big presentation at uh, the Veterans Auditorium in Providence in January with the Department of Health in Providence. The two of you? No, the, the, our company. Yeah, we did snippets from the play. We okay. had we had speakers, guest presenters. I see. And my son was a presenter, and he gave, and he's, he's done public speaking before. And he's just really eloquent and really, and he comes out in like a ranted, t- the group ranted t-shirt. He's got a green mohawk. I mean, he's 6'3". He's a good-looking kid. So he stands out no matter what. The green mohawk. The green mohawk, yeah. <laughs> and you know, he's got tattoos at Boston and, and awesome. Dropkick Murphys and yeah, all this stuff. Yeah. And it, 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 for a while, I was like, I was, you got you got to stop doing that. So why am I doing that? Yeah. If, if that's the, the most of his problems, fine. Do whatever you want. Great. I don't care. Uh, but anyway, we, at rehearsal that day, he gave this speech. And I'd heard him give it before. Um, and I was in the wings, and I lost it. I just crying like a baby. And the gal who's in the the play plays my daughter, the younger daughter, who's the supportive one. She her sister's a, a, an addict too. Her sister's in and out of recovery, and she just hugged me. We just had a beautiful moment backstage because he was just pouring his heart out out there, mm-hmm. and that's what he wants. He loves he loves helping people more than anything, and and I do too. And that's why I love doing this play. And I've always said, people say, "What'd you do if you won the lottery?" I said, "Give it away." There's no question in my mind. I would give away the money if I yeah. won the Powerball. Find ways to help people and yeah. just give it away. And that, nothing makes me happier. Than I that. know you would. And and is there any any better thing to hear than, "Hey, Dad." No, 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 for the longest time, you know, when I heard dad, dad was the, the, the I've been called many things in life, but dad <laughs> was the best. Right. And now I'm a grandfather. And oh. I, wrote the, I wrote this whole column about how my grandson, he wasn't talking for a while. Now he talks a blue streak and he started calling. I wonder who he was going to call me. And they started calling me grandpa. So, you know, and I said, very few men and male figures in my life make me cry. My dad was one. Andrea Bocelli is another one. I just hear him singing. I cry. And when I heard grandpa. Like lost it, I, and I'll, I'll be with my grandson. He's three. And I'll just sit with him, and I think about him. I hold him, I hug him, whatever, and I'll just cry. And my daughter's like laughing at me. She said, "You're such a girl." Sometimes yeah, I know I can't <laughs> help it, but you know we, we cry easily. Absolutely, cry easily and cry often. And why yeah. not? Yeah, but yeah, uh, dad. Yeah, that, now grandpa. And I've never been prouder. 
I have three boys. Yeah. Um, and uh, hey, dad is my is my favorite two yeah. words to hear. Oh, oh. You know? oh totally. Yeah. Um, other than uh, honey, I'm home and the checks in the bank, which yeah. has been happening frequently. Yeah. And that's what allows me to keep doing <laughs> yeah. what I'm doing here. <laughs> well, I, I hope to hear that someday too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, well, Paul, the creditors at the door. No, no, the check. The check. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Paul, anyway. I, I can't thank you enough for your time, um, Paul Kandarian. You can find him at coast c o a a s t dot org. Yeah. Uh, and what does the acronym stand for, Paul? Uh, uh, creating outreach about addiction support together. Okay, so that you can reach them. Take a look. Find out where they have a performance. It trust me, it's worth your time to go out and see the production. Please go up and say hi to Paul. Uh, he'll introduce you to other cast members. But um, what a great guy! I, I'm just honored to know him. Um, any closing thoughts, Paul? Um, I just I, I always think if people ask for advice, I give like two words. Yeah, it's phrases. People will say, "How do I get to be a writer?" I said, "Well, don't this one. Have ideas is another." And people say, "You know, how do I? Uh, how, how do you have an interesting life? It's have an interesting day, because that's how it starts." There you go. Have an interesting day. Get up. Figure out. I'm going to do something interesting. Even if you got to work, do something interesting. And then you'll. And then there's another interesting day. People say you have such an interesting life. How do you do it? It's because I've just had a series of interesting days. The two word thing is be yourself. Yeah. But you have to know who that is. I mean, a lot of people, you think of yourself and not somebody else's vision of yourself. It's not themselves. It's not itself. It's yourself. Be you. You know? Mm-hmm. It doesn't get any simpler than that. It, you know, well, Paul, so happy to see oh. you. Stay dry today. It's supposed to snow oh, today. I hate this stuff. Yeah, I know it. I know <laughs> it. Um, so find some rolls down south, and I'll come down and uh, oh, I don't know, be your driver. Although people tend to die in your in your yeah, it's true, it's means of conveyance. Well, so, yeah. <laughs> well, everybody, thanks so much for listening to Chapters. I want to thank my guest, Paul Kandarian. My name's Jim Derrick, and we'll see you next week.